Monica really shows a masterstroke in vendor management in this part of this episode. Meets with the vendors who are probably in their later middle age, I suppose, maybe in their 60s, I guess. The question that she asks, I think, is absolutely bang on. And she simply says to them, look, you know that we've had an offer at 9.5, which is the asking price. Why don't you think that 9.5 million isn't enough for your home? And then she shuts up. And I think that there would be many inexperienced agents that would get to this point and talk too much. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers and leaders. Each episode, we bring you behind-the-scenes supplier news, developments, exclusive interviews, technology and more to help you list more, sell more and elevate your results. To get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast, visit joineliteagent.com. Now, here is your host, Samantha McLean. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Elevate podcast. This is a special episode of the Elevate podcast called The Deluxe Nuts, or the series is called The Deluxe Nuts, where I am joined by Dave Scow, industry trainer, leader, auctioneer, salesperson extraordinaire, and just overall Wagga legend. Welcome again, Dave. Hi, Sam. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you because this week has just been the biggest week in reality TV ever. So Tell me we'll about get on it, real estate at some point. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, Survivor, did the right person win? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think that, uh, I don't know. I think that there were probably a couple of plays in the last couple of episodes that just didn't go the way that they should have, starting from when Geordie was kicked out. And then KJ really balls that up with her vote that ended up seeing her leave. That was the prime opportunity to get Mark. And then the, the top four should have gotten rid of Mark uh, and it should have been probably, if not the three girls at the end and KJ stuffed that a couple of episodes ago, then it really probably should have been Josh. And the two girls up there, look, I think Josh then would have won. I think that he was probably a more deserving winner. I think Mark probably coasted a little, but again, that was his strategy. It's all about strategy and uh, look, good on him. I, I really like him. I think he's a nice guy. Uh, and I think that he and Sam have sought that redemption from being um, on an early season a few years ago now. Uh, so good on them. But yeah, look, not who I would have liked to see win. I think it's, there's an interesting lesson there um, for real estate agents in that whole final tribal council. And I'm sure um, fans of Survivor will know what I mean when um, they all gave their pitches and, uh, you know, it's like a listing presentation. And Shay gave her pitch and all the other um let's call them contestants, had heaps of questions from the jury, but Shay had no questions, which kind of proved that, you know, they weren't interested in her. And I think, you know, like there's an interesting parallel here in real life as well, because if the client's asking you questions, it's not that they're objecting, it's they're actually interested in choosing you. Yeah, I'd be much more concerned about the client that asks no questions than the one that asks 10. So, yeah, good point. Yeah, absolutely. Married at first sight, did the right person win it? No. <laughs> uh, yeah. Did any of them win it? I mean, are any of them winners? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that if they're not winners, win. does that mean they're losers? Probably. I don't know. Yeah. No winners on that show. So let's get to let's get to our um, we're Lux about nuts Lux listing. So this week was actually the premiere um, in yeah. Sydney, the red carpet premiere of. Um, I was going to call it the Deluxe Nuts then, but no, it's the real show is called Lux Listing Sydney Season 2, um, where all the talk was about, um, you know, not just Season 2, but um, Season 2 being renewed again or the show being renewed again for Season 3. 
Yep. Um, and, you know, let me tell you, Dave, it was exhausting. Everybody was there. Yeah, because you guys got to go, yeah? Yeah, we did. We did get to go. And um, I can I can sort of say, you know, like pretty much there was a whole lot of batchy babes there. There was married at first sight people speaking of that show. I think Jules and her husband were there, but I didn't watch, you know, I can't remember his name. Sorry. Sorry, Jules's <laughs> husband. Um, you know, Kyle Sandlins was there with his um, partner. Uh, he had a whole entourage, like, you know, someone said, is that Kyle Sanderlands? And then there's like six people walking behind him. Yeah. Um, yeah so uh, no crystal, unfortunately, like I was, so I said to Mark on the way in, you know, like if there's not a crystal champagne tower, I'm leaving. <laughs> um, like we saw in episode two, um, there wasn't a crystal champagne tower, but I, I stayed. And um, when I sat down, um, Gavin came over to said to say hi and introduced me to his father. So the guy to the right was actually Gavin's father, who was yeah, amazing. And so you had Gavin's father on one side, Leanne Pilkington on the other, some of the, the secondary <laughs> players in the series what a what a win yeah i know right and um you know leanne was fabulous as always and we'll have to get her on for a bit of um bit of gossip because there's a big storyline involving leanne in in this season um but let me tell you you know like um gavin's dad is just uh just next level nice guy like real salt of the earth um exactly like he came across in um in season one um super super duper proud of his son um, and yeah, just a real, real joy to meet, you know, like I, I said to him, you know, you look just like Gavin, only better looking. And, um, you know, he laughed and he blushed and thankfully Gavin was out of earshot. Um, but, um, yeah, no, lovely, lovely guy. Yeah. Great. And how good is that when people that, uh, you see on TV are, are just as nice in real life. We've had the opportunity in the last week to interview the, the stars of the show. And I, I know that you got to speak with uh, Gavin and Simon. I got to speak with Delene and Monica and absolutely uh, just like they are on the show. No airs and graces, no puffery, just really down to earth, decent, nice to talk to people. Yeah. Well, I, um, we're about to, so obviously one of the promises of this show is to bring everybody the behind the scenes, um, the gossip, some interviews with the cast. And obviously we'll be doing that today um, as well as over the next couple of episodes, but yeah, ahead of like, just before I got on the plane, like literally <laughs> before I left to go to the airport, I did catch up with Gavin and Simon and it was, it was hilarious actually because I've known Gavin for a while and um Interestingly, Gavin talked about a couple of the things that you and I've been talking about, Dave, in the show, like, you know, the whole, um, the growth um, equation, like, you know, like how can you grow um, in a market where there are other agents probably and somebody maybe wants you to slow down but you want to speed up. So yeah. so we talked about that. Um, I did put it to Simon that, um, you know, that, that he could um, – go on The Bachelor, um, and I asked him the question, you know, if Osher Gunsberg called you tomorrow, what would you say? And uh, his answer to that was pretty interesting and, and revealing, as you'll see in a moment. And um, the other thing is, obviously, because the season is filmed quite some time, you know, before it's released, um, I asked Gavin about Remy's baby <laughs> and, um, you know, because Remy's baby is, has obviously been born now and, um, you know, like he looks like he's like a proud godfather himself. So, you know, said that little guy's taken everything from me, everything, yeah. but, um, but I love him. He's got a big head and, um, you know, and he's as cute as. So 
So, yeah, heaps of stuff in that interview, including, you know, like what Gavin's plans for expansion are, um, what their thoughts are on on Monica, what their favourite properties are. So um, shall we roll the tape? Let's go. Good to see you both. And, Simon, great to meet you. And you. Thanks for having us. Well, I've watched the first few episodes and I have to ask the question straight away. It's good to see you both together. Like, are you are you on speaking terms? Of course. Today we are. Today we are. <laughs> <laughs> I had a much nicer answer than Gavin, huh? You're keeping that suspense going. I think we're always good. We're always good. We had a few rough patches in season two, but we're all right now. Cool, cool. Well, we're about to launch into season two. I think tonight's the night of the premiere. I'm just keen to know from both of you, like you were already very high profile agents in the East. Um, What was the reaction after the show? I'll go with you first, Simon. Uh, The reaction's been great. I mean, I think you always expect, well, we were certainly set up for it. And I think we thought in our heads that, you know, it, it it can go either way. But I feel like the reaction, like this show's really taken off and people love it. And I think it's credit to it's credit to Amazon, it's credit to the rest of the crew, you know, Gav, Delene, Monica, they've all been themselves on the show. And I think that really shines through. And it's been, I think, a really positive, amazing experience. Yeah. Has everyone put themselves on the show? Have they? <laughs> now I'll hand it over. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You and you and I have definitely, but I don't know about that statement right there. So me and Sam are tied. I don't have to put no no show on for her. You know what I mean? I can, <laughs> All right, well, the floor is yours, brother. Yeah, I was gonna, you, you're next, Gavin. So what about the reaction after, after <laughs> one? Oh my god. The, the, the reaction has been good. I think um, objective for me is always what do I need to do to put me in a position to sell more houses, get in front of more people, create more opportunities. I mean, you know me for a long time. We've, like I said you know, work together kind of indirectly over the course of my entire career, Sam. And um, that's always the um, the objective for me. So it's definitely definitely achieved that so far and it seems to be growing. So um, we're just going to keep harnessing it and keep doing it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And you've just been renewed for a third season, which is really, really exciting. Um, how do you fit filming into an already busy schedule? Because I know you're super busy, Gavin, and um, Simon, I can imagine that business is sort of booming in the last year as well. For me, it's like we've always spoken about forever, time management and having a great team who can give you capacity. So, you know, it just, this is a well-oiled military run machine that I'm running. And um, we, we definitely have our days and there are definitely some moments where it feels like it's all going to blow up. You know, um, but uh, overall, best team, you know, that there is have amazing people to give me that capacity and manage my calendar and my time. Um, and just unfortunately, a lot of personal sacrifice goes into that. You know, I think forgot my mum's birthday, which I know makes me a shit son. My best friend right now um, he's going through a, a few challenges with his marriage. He's not really talking to me because he hasn't felt that I've been there for him. Forgot another good friend's birthday yesterday. I know I'm just sounding like a real idiot, but um, my work really is my priority and uh, my clients get get my time and um, I haven't wanted to let the filming affect that and it hasn't, but as a result, you know, I've, I've been really super zoned in on everything I've had to do, yeah. Yeah, and what about you, Simon? Any sort of, any juggling or time management tips from you guys for the punters at home? 
Of course, I mean, I completely agree with Gav. We're both very lucky where we have amazing teams, amazing um, procedures, amazing, you know, ways things get done. I, I, I'd say two things. I think one, you want, you know, something done, give it to a busy person. It's amazing how much extra you can fit into your day if you run things properly and correctly and you've got great people around you. And two, you know, you got to remember, I know this, this is called reality TV show. They are filming us in our jobs during the day and so it's not like we're not doing our jobs to do filming we're just getting filmed doing our jobs so that does help make it easier yeah absolutely and so simon um speaking of mothers your mum jen is one of our favorite characters in the show and we've been having a bit of a discussion about whether or not you should be on the bachelor next year uh, to take her off off jen so, you know, like I have to know for everyone back in the office, um, if Osha Gunsberg called, would you say yes? I would absolutely not. It would be <laughs> no. no. Simon's taken now, Sam. Simon's taken now. He's not going on no shows. Oh, right. Okay. But Jen, uh, Jen definitely is a fan favourite. People love her and for good reason. She's very funny. Yeah, well, I was thinking another complication would be that you and Gavin seem to spend a lot of time in showers together. Like, you know, like I think I <laughs> shower scenes. It, it would make the, the ladies jealous. Yeah. In the shower. Um, so, um, so, yeah, we, we thought that would probably have to sort of, you know, stop and you'd have to get involved in the kitchens a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> nah, we're always going to shower together no matter what. Yeah, cool. So let's talk about a couple of the storylines. Like, um, it felt like there's a bit of a reversal of roles for you from season one to season two, Simon. Like in, in season one, you were a typical buyer's agent. And can I just say that you've, you know, like you've inundated us with buyer's agents who think being a buyer's agent is really trendy right now. Yeah. Um, and, and um, you know, in season one, you were, you were sort of, you know, pointing out all the flaws and stuff like that in the properties. And then in season two, like you've been pretty complimentary about a lot of the properties. Is that the difference in the market now with, you know, like last year, we just saw buyers everywhere. Uh, no, I think one, Amazon probably cut out a lot of me <laughs> pointing out the negatives because Gav will tell you they ain't ever going to change. But the houses did step up in season two and they were harder to fold. Yeah. Gavin, what was your favourite property from season two? I love Carlotta Road. So cool. You know, Double Bay, I think... Um, I believe that's the highest price ever paid for a duplex in the East. In fact, I know that is the highest price paid. Um, it's not a terrace, remember? It's a different sort of – it's a half a house, right? It was it was developed that way. And, um, I mean, almost $10 million bucks we got for that house and the finish and the size and the gym and the oh, – it's just, it's just a vibe, really. I was at that auction and I was speechless. It was big money. Yeah, and yeah. How, how good is Cooley too? Like, you know, he's he's always amazing, isn't he? He's, he's first class. I mean, Damien's like, you know, you don't know what you don't know and, and not to say anything bad about any of the auctioneers I've worked with in the past, but you know, I've been working with Damien now kind of three years and before I did work with him, I um, always kind of, kind of paid attention because he, he's the guy, he's the auctioneer. But then working with him is just another, the confidence he has on the floor to 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 ask for that extra bid, you know, he ran an auction for Ollie Lavers just like six weeks ago now, and he could feel the momentum. So like normal auctioneers will ask for 10 or 20, like Damo was 
when we were past reserve asking for five hundred thousand dollar increases, and the boy was getting them. Um, you know, so it's all these little tools and extra good people at the top of their game that help us do what we do best, and and he's definitely one of them. Yeah, amazing. Now, a lot of agents were complaining last year that listings were tight, and we know that they were right across the board. But we saw you guys in season two make, um, you know, starting to make stuff happen. I mean, it fell over. But how common is it that, you know, let's say you've got no listings, and so you know, like now, now's when you start thinking about, all right, well, who needs to move? Like, how how regularly do you guys start thinking about that sort of stuff? Like, I think. Simon's never short of buyers and I'm never short of listings. But if you ask us both, we never have enough. Is that right, Si? Would that be fair? Like I would say couldn't agree more. Yeah. So, like, I mean, even when I've got the most listings I've ever had, it ain't enough. I want more, you know. <laughs> and I mean, you've got, it, and it's true. And I'm, I mean that wholeheartedly. Like, and I've got the capacity to be able to take on, you know, a hell of a lot more. I mean, can considering filming was was even wrapped like if you would have asked me that last year when i hadn't had a break in two years since i opened the office we've been filming three seasons um and all that sort of stuff my answer would have been different but right now i'm 10 weeks not a sip of alcohol fresh rested um ready ready to go ready to work super motivated and, and hungry i'll be breaking that detox tonight sam hopefully with you yeah you better <laughs> i don't know if i totally agree with you sam i mean i have offices all over and the market has definitely softened in some places but the east there's certainly no listings, um, certainly not on the market. And so, so there definitely could be more. It's tight. It's very, very tight. Mm. I mean, our, my office in general is finding it tight. Me personally, um, like, I mean, like, like I said, I always find it tight. It's never enough, but it's going to make it happen. Yeah. It, the market really, if you build a good enough business and your practice is strong enough and you know how to add value to your vendors, you, you become recession proof, you become market proof. You really, like you end up, it becomes irrelevant because what you need to remember is everybody always needs to buy and sell, always. You know, there's always circumstances, house gets too big, house is too small. Unfortunately, there's, you know, I hate talking about it, but there is, um, people like to move on to the next chapter of their lives. People like to make a change. And if, if you are at the top of your game and you provide the value, well, you're gonna get a call and you're gonna get in front of that opportunity. And so that's why I say, build a good enough business and it's really irrelevant what the market does so long as you're in a in a turnover area you know i think most people are we were literally discussing this in the car two nights ago yeah 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 we were. people will always need to buy and sell where you know anyone who's listening to this who's in real estate you know we're in a very lucky lucky game yeah, absolutely. And I think in season two, we see one of your long-term clients that's been back over and over and over again, Simon, um, you know, which is, you know, the transaction doesn't end when the when the hammer comes down. It's it's got. I just bought in two more properties since that. I mean, you know, longevity and loyalty with clients is the best thing in this game. Best, best, yeah, yeah, best. Amazing. So things changed for you, Gavin, in this season too, with um, Remy having a baby, and I believe she's had the baby now. Have you subscribed? Listen, have you, have we, you shall not, we shall not. We shall not speak of this man, this newborn child <laughs> named, named Rush. I don't like speaking his name because he's taken everything from me. Oh. Um, no, he's the he's the cutest little nugget with the. He's got this massive head on him, and. Um, I get her to send me pictures every day and at the same time tell her how much I can't stand him because I miss her so much. But um, it's just been great to meet him and um, I'll go see him tonight before the show. And, um, 
you know, it's just been great to communicate with her. We've, we've already signed a new contract for her to start. Um, she would have been starting July 1 this year, but I will be in Europe. Um, so she'll start August 1. And um, just going to centralise her role completely, actually, when she starts back up, because I had to sacrifice her for the greater good of the office to let everyone use her for marketing. Now that we're up and running, we've got 32-odd people. We're making the move. Um, she's coming back to just being exclusively my EA. So she'll be my direct line to everyone and everything. And I just – the day couldn't come sooner because, I, you know, her and I are just – we are the, the dream team. She is my girl. I love her very much, but very happy to see her have the bubble. Yeah, I imagine it would be like trying to replace Donna in suits. Not possible. Not, Not possible. Po even, even Simon, like, you know, him and I have had the – we talk about stuff all the time. We talk about business a lot, actually. And, um, I mean, he, he'll tell you just from his interaction, when, when he is looking for someone, he'll always use Remy as an example. Oh, I'm like, I need my Remy. I need my Remy. She is just the best. Just her attitude and, and her level of taste and her service and her, her ability to interact with clients and, um, her aura. you know, yeah, yeah. And just, but the, the execution of her tasks, like you ask Remy to do something, no matter how small, no matter how big, you never have to ask her twice. She's, she's a beast. So yeah, yeah I miss her dearly. Yeah, well, we, we all can't wait to see her back. And I mean, look, you've, you've got you've got an amazing team too, Simon, in Tammy. Like, I think we were all in awe of Tammy last season. She was, um, you know, and thank goodness that she didn't, she was loyal and didn't defect to Delene. She was never going to go to Delene, let's be honest. Never. <laughs> never. Um, but, you know, like, yeah, we loved watching her and, um, you know, it's it's really nice to see her taking a step up this year as well. Yeah, listen, you know, I think it's incredibly important as an owner of a business to, to watch your, you know, there's nothing greater than watching your team grow, uh, step up in the world, get better skilled, get more successful, thrive in their careers. And, you know, I, I, I'm no different to anyone who, who sort of loves that. I, you know, it's the thing I love most about running a business and watching Tammy's career in the many years she's worked with me grow and grow and grow has been amazing. It's the same as I love watching everyone in my teams. Yeah, amazing. And so, Gavin, are you really thinking about expanding to the North Shore and the Shire? Could we see, could we see TRG the Shire? Oh, because I sold in um, Sylvania Waters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, listen, and Cronulla. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's a, yeah, that's true too. If, it, if it's a luxury property, like, we will go anywhere. And that's, um, that's something to watch over the coming months because we are going through um, – a rebrand at the moment, which will still definitely 100% be in partnership with the White family. But um, you know, I'm 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 over the red tape, Sam, and um, I think you know what we're putting together is just the perfect solution to luxury property that the country hasn't seen before. Having said that, as my brother always says, one thing at a time. So. Um, we're going to open up Rose Bay in July. Building has been delayed because of floods and COVID. Um, there'll be another excuse next week. I think locusts are going to swarm Australia. Who knows? But um, we'll move into Rose Bay uh, in July and we'll retain Wallara. We'll focus on filling them and getting the brand right. And then we'll see to, you know, where, where to from there, um, one step at a time. But I constantly see opportunity when I look around this industry and I look into the luxury markets and um and motivated by it so really looking forward to what lies ahead there well we would welcome you to the gold coast if you wanted to come up to queensland i can i can highly recommend it except for all that rain that we've had 
Uh, we've had we've had it worse. No, I've definitely got my eyes on. I like the look of Brisbane. I like the look of maybe the Gold Coast. I like the look of Palm Beach, Melbourne, Turak. I really like the look of you know luxury boutique markets. Really, um, they get me going, man. It's it's I'm passionate about them. Really, I am. So, what's it like working with Monica too this season? You've probably seen that that first episode. I'm like very skeptical because. Um, you know, I come I come from a school of real estate hard knocks where it's like really about working, grafting, putting in the effort. That never stops. And um, my perception of Monica, just because she has a different way of doing business, um, which is different to that, but it still works for her. I was kind of like, why are we? Why are we in? Why is this person getting this airtime? But um, seriously, working with her, spending time with her in the build up, and and working in a couple of crossovers that we did work on, I thought she was the best thing that ever happened to the show, actually. And I think she brings a dynamic that the show really needed and, and makes season two and three just a, lot, a hell of a lot better than season one. So, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, she's super funny, hey. She's hilarious, man. Yeah. And Simon, what about you? How did you find working with Monica? Well, you- I agree with Jay. I mean, I've worked with her for many years um, and I just think her energy, her humour, uh, her, her passion for life. Um, she's just, she's, she's very kind hearted. I, I loved it. I really, really, really loved it. And she has made season two very funny. Yeah. I feel like she's Lucy Lou, you know, she looks great. Yeah. Lucy Lou. Yeah. Perfect. yeah when I come perfect. <laughs> well, when I come back, <laughs> I want her handbag collection and her shoe collection. Okay, you got to get a cheese room. Okay, so one last question. Um, the, the one thing that I've really loved about Lux listings other than the properties um, has been the one-liners you've thrown at each other, like over the over the period of time. Gavin, what's your favourite one-liner from Simon? Um, that he said to me. Anything. I loved, I loved, um, I loved the, the real conversation we were having in um, Dover Heights and I was kind of, we were walking off into the lift and he said, so what's been happening? You good? I'm like, yeah, just trying to take over the world. And his response was, he said, one baby step at a time, which I loved. I thought that was good, Matt. He's sharp, he's sharp and quick on his feet, old Shimon. Yeah, absolutely. Simon, I've got to say I love that that line, if, if it's any higher, we're not the buyer. Yeah. <laughs> I reckon. Uh, I like that. A million times. I remember saying that, but it's a goodie. Yeah, I reckon a million, a million <laughs> young buyers agents picked up their pencils and wrote that one down. Yeah. For sure. I haven't even heard that. That's gold, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, Simon, what about some one-liners from Gavin? What's been your favourite? Uh, there's nothing better than I work the auction floor like a stripper. True story. And true you know story. what? I've seen him on that auction floor and it's true. He I, has I reckon he works harder, actually. <laughs> like, you yeah, know. I think oh, so much too. harder. Much harder. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, shaking, I'm shaking, shaking my little hiney for dollar dollar bills on that. Floor. So I'm, I'm fi- $500. I, honestly, I'll go for 500 bucks on, on a $10 million, $15 million property just to make sure that we are exhausted. So Simon, Simon has told me to get lost many times before. So. Yeah. We still hug it out at the end though. Yeah. yeah, well, season two definitely, definitely shows you doing that. Some amazing deals. Um, it's an amazing, um, it's an amazing watch. Well, guys, it's been fantastic catching up with you. Congratulations on all the success that you've had with Lux Listings 1, 2, and I'm sure with 3. Thanks for spending time with us. Um, see you tonight at the cocktail party. Can't wait.
Yeah, so I hope you enjoyed that interview. It's really good to know that Simon and Gavin are still talking, um, <laughs> you know, like because where we left off in season three, there was a lot of F-bombs being dropped, if you recall, um, because the deal to do with the clifftop houses had just fallen over. Actually, George Toomer, the guy from the clifftop house in, um, in, in episode two, he was there as well. So, yeah, um, right. you know, like any, anyone who's anyone was there. And just one other, um, you know, they did play... Um, episode one in its entirety, 50 minutes. Thank goodness they were sort of pouring drinks. But um, Fred Chibesta was there, and you know how we sort of said, you know, would, would he wear that Versace tracksuit in Wagga? Yeah. Well, he was even in an even bigger outfit this time. Yeah, I think he doubled um, down. I've seen the photos and it was next level. What he was wearing on the episode that we saw was pretty subdued <laughs> compared to what he pulled out for the red carpet. Yeah, it was like it was like this really long cape that you know even I was envious of. I wish I'd you know like I wish I'd had some of that action myself. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, uh, amazing time. So let's move on to episode four. But before we get started on episode four, um, just want to say thank you again to our sponsor issue. Uh, as a special offer, readers and listeners of Elite Agent Elevate and the Deluxe Nuts can get started with issue today for free, or you can sign up for an annual premium account to get 50% off when you go to issue.com and use the promo code ELITE. That's issue.com, I-S-S-U-U.com, and use the promo code ELITE at the checkout for your free account or 50% off your annual premium account. So uh, on with the show. So, Dave, where did we leave off? Uh, So I think at the end of Episode 3, it was all of the Fs and Ps and Qs that Simon was uh, yelling in his office, realising that the Delene deal had fallen over. Gav wasn't going to give him the second crack at the uh, Tuma property on the clifftop. Um, we had that as a bit of a, um, a cliffhanger. Um, Gav was starting to freak out about Remy going because of the um, impending pregnancy or the impending birth. Um, and, yeah, I think that we get a little bit of a resolution on a couple of those points in this episode. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so yeah. So let's let's hope that um, that that fences get get mended. But meanwhile, the first major scene where um, we're beamed off to Point Piper um, in a house called the Golden Pocket House. It's four beds, three baths, with an asking price of eight point eight million. Um, Delene's on the phone again, um, getting an update on the Lang and Simmons deal. Um, all the real estate quotes, you know, survival of the fittest and reiterates her number one status. And I don't know, there's this track playing. I'm, I'm sure it's all original music for um, for this series, but it sounds like, you know, a James Bond song um, yeah. because, you know, we're talking about the golden pocket of Point Piper and apparently there's only 713 houses and Sebastian pipes up and says, yeah, it's the eighth wonder of the world, um, which is really cool. So they look like they're about to have, a, to have an open house for this um you know, for this beautiful little home in Point and Piper. I'm sure it's not actually little. But um, Delene pulls out a bag and it's got some golden slippers in it. Yeah, and look, the golden slippers for me were a bit naff, to be honest. But it, as, as you mentioned sort of before we shot the show, it looked like that she'd been uh, shopping deals on Alibaba.com <laughs> and bought them in bulk. Um, yeah, look, it was even Sebastian at the front door sort of welcoming people seemed a little bit awkward with um, showing them to people or asking people to put them on and taking their shoes off. Look, I think that it was probably for TV and it was that tongue-in-cheek golden slippers for the golden pocket house. Um, would it happen in Wagga? Probably not. 
Yeah, well, that was that was the next thing I was going to ask you is, you know, have you seen them at open homes in Wagga? And, and you know, I guess we have our answer to that, don't we? Yeah, correct. Next up is a bit of a real estate lesson. So Delene actually talks about home staging, which is a really important part of the sales process, making sure that the home appeals to a wider market. I mean, there's some beautiful artwork and things like that um, on the walls. But, you know, Delene says that staging this home has probably added 20 or 30K to it. Is that fairly normal, Dave? I think so, yeah. And it's probably a nice little lesson, not just from an agent point of view, but from a, a educating the public point of view in that, staging really can uh, make a big difference in terms of end result, both in terms of time on market and also dollars achieved. Um, looking at the house past the staging, it didn't look like it was uh, an amazing, newly renovated um, kind of spectacular home. It was a nice home and it was obviously worth a lot of money in, in a beautiful location, but the staging I think really made it pop. Um, and that was the point that Delene made talking to Sebastian um, and Jacob there at the open house that in her estimates, 20 to 30 grand. I think that that could even be a little conservative when you're talking about an $8 million plus sale price. I think that we've had results in Wagga um, at a sort of $400,000, $500,000 mark where we think we've probably added 20 or 30 grand by having good staging in place, which may have cost the vendor two dollars $3,500. Yeah, so it's really just an education process. Yeah. I mean, we've seen it a heap. We've seen that whole thing like a heap of times on shows like Million Dollar Listing. I mean, Ryan Serhant was always the king of um, home staging. You'd see him walk into this apartment, which, like, literally, he'd be going, "Hurts my eyes, hurts my eyes." <laughs> And gutting the whole thing, like, you know, and it's not what they've spent on home staging on this apartment is pretty conservative, given that, you know, some of those apartments in New York or the big the big townhouses, the big penthouses, they spend like hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. on staging them. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when the agent holds that cost throughout the listing process as well. A little bit different here in Australia, thankfully, that we've got this thing called VPA and the vendors are paying for advertising, marketing and staging uh, up front. So thankfully, we're not um, carrying the, the, the ticket throughout the sales process because that would be a, a fairly hefty balance. Yeah, absolutely. And there was another, actually, there was another TV agent that did that really well, and I think that was Seema from the most recent Sex in the City and just like that, she walked in to sell Carrie's apartment and said, very nice, very nice, very nice, very nice, it'll all have to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> need beige, 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 beige. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, interesting. So in walks Simon looking a bit worse for wear. Um, and he's still smarting about the clifftop deal falling over, but maybe not so much about that. But obviously he has, he and Gavin have been friends for a long time and he says that he yep. feels a bit yep. like shit for letting Gavin down. Yep. Uh, and Delene yep. has a solution. Meditation. How about that? And just first of all, before that, Simon was a little bit um, out of order, I think, in this episode because he really went let fly quite vocally. There were buyers all through this Point Piper house looking. Delene quickly realises that he's starting to let the uh, Fs fly in front of people and sort of drags him off to the formal dining room where there's no one there. Um, he probably just doesn't have a lot of awareness about him, I think, so it's probably a little bit uh, straight down the line thinking about nothing else but himself and how this has affected him. Um, but, yes, Delene then invites uh, Simon to take up a bit of meditation. When I got to speak to Delene last week one-on-one, um, she was very uh, vocal about meditation being the cornerstone of her daily and morning ritual that really sets the scene for her day and really gives her the ability to operate on all fours 
and at the energy levels that she needs to be at to be able to run this successful business, uh, run her own sales team, uh, be at the helm of Langan Simmons Double Bay as a director, obviously being a single mum uh, with, with two young kids, trying to be the perfect daughter and sister and attend these social activities and having Lux listings being shot in the meantime. Um, so she r r ritually is up at 5.55 in the morning, every morning, and hits 20 minutes of meditation straight up. And she says that that 20 minutes of deep meditation is the equivalent of three or four hours good deep sleep. Um, and she says if she gets towards the end of the day and she's starting to lag a bit, she'll pull out another 20 minutes and, and she's right then to, to get through the, the rest of the day. So big advocate for, for meditation. Yeah, there's a lot of people that actually swear swear by that. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see if, um, you know, if it works for some other people on this show. Um, yeah. Well, especially when Simon says, look, I'm in, if Gavin's in as well. Uh, Delane yeah. makes a joke about putting him in her backpack and taking him along <laughs> with her. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting yeah. to see how this plays out and if, if it comes to fruition. Gavin doesn't strike me as the as the meditating type. I could be no. wrong, but um, you know he doesn't strike me as that. Um, so what's funny fun about Delene and Simon in this is is you know the usual buyer's agent listing agent banter over um, you know whether the house is worth what it is, and um, they look out the window and there's shades of the old Simon where you know they see this turquoise tiled roof and. Um, Simon says, um, you know, I think, well, I think Monica says the view looks like one of Monica's handbags and, yep. um, and Simon sort of quips back with green, scaly and expensive. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly right. And it does. Yeah. It looks like a, a crocodile leather handbag across the road. And apparently it's heritage listed. Nothing can be done about it. It's a bit of an eyesore. And it's a really good point for Simon to really drive in the daggers into the, uh, the asking price. He then quickly retorts with an offer at 85 uh, Delene asks whether he's smoking something funny um, because he's just that far off. Interestingly enough, this season, we're season two, episode four, so we're two-thirds of the way through, and I don't think we've seen Simon do a deal yet in, in the show. Um, and it, it shows, I suppose, the turning of the market between season one and season two and just how hard it must be for a buyer's agent to be able to get those deals done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we'll be watching, um, we'll be on Simon Deal Watch from, from this point forward, I think. Yeah, correct. Uh, so we're across, back across town to TRG. Well, not not just down the road, really, back to Willara. And um, Gavin's got another hamper from his secret admirer. Actually, yep. it's not his secret admirer. It's just someone that wants to come and work for him. Yep. Um, and uh, this, this seems really non-scripted, right? <laughs> Like, you know, yeah. um, a buyer calls in from um, Sylvania, oh, sorry, a seller calls in from Sylvania Waters and um, Gavin has no idea where, where Sylvania Waters is. The only mm -hmm. reason I had some idea was because I grew up in the 80s and there was a show called Sylvania Waters. So, you know, like there were all these jokes about the Shire and then, of course, there was a the show, The Shire. Yeah. Um, and Sophia and Vanessa, like, you know, because I remember that's how you used to say her name, um, you know, come to mind. And um, so it's no wonder Gavin doesn't really know where the Shire is. But, um, but yeah, so someone rings up Carl, I think, on the phone and says, uh, I, I believe, you know, you're the guy for me, even though, you know, there's probably about 60 kilometres of difference between them right now. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and, you know, I think this is a TRG-type property. How? Did, yep. He even yeah. knew what to say there. Yeah. And, um, 
And yeah, so Gavin agrees to go do, do an appraisal. And Remy says, So you're going to take Simon through? And Gavin says, Nope, I'm not taking Simon through and gives uh, a new buyer's agent a call, um, Martine, who we're yeah. about to see a bit more of. Conveniently, two seconds before this phone call came in, Kai and Gavin were talking about Martine, this buyer's yep. agent, uh, and how well she'd been doing. Kai thinks she's hot. Delene thinks, uh, Gavin thinks she looks like Delene. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, this is the, the epitome of scripted reality TV. I think it was probably a little awkward to watch, but the, the, the crux of it, I suppose, is um, what makes a TRG property. And this is probably a really good branding exercise for Gavin and his team uh, in that they are building a reputation for dealing with a type of property. We talked about it in season one with the Bondi apartment, um, which probably typically wasn't the grand mansion at Bellevue Hill, but it was still a TRG property because of the uniqueness of it. Um, the same with this one. It's uh, waterfront, although out of area, um, waterfront, six or seven years old, beautifully built, um, TRG kind of property would definitely photograph a video well. Um, it's the kind of thing that you could see Gavin walking out to that jetty with his welcome home stance. Um, and it would fit right in with everything else that they've got listed. Oh yeah, actually, I can imagine that now too. Yeah, he 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 would he would look tall too. Like yeah. you know, if you just him on the jetty. Good um, camera angles. Good good camera angles, but yeah, I mean, look, it reminded it it did remind me of the Gold Coast, and I did ask Gavin and Simon about you know whether, or sorry, Gavin rather about whether he would come to the Gold Coast because that's very much the vibe of Sylvania waters. Like there's the boat moored out the front. Um, you know, and it looks really like a, a lifestyle kind of property, which is um, which is really really lovely. And I do think you're right about you know is it a TRG property or not? I mean that's marketing 101. Yeah. And I mean often um, you know every agent wants to appeal to the widest possible audience to get as many listings as possible. But the trouble with doing that is you end up working with a heap of people that you don't necessarily like, yeah. selling properties you're not necessarily good at or have some passion for, and you don't get known for one thing. Like you know if, if there's one thing I know about um, you know the likes of Josh Teslin, for example. Um, is that, you know, he started on duplexes and he became the duplex guy. And then, you know, like once you go deep into a niche, then you can go wide. And I think, you know, like the the idea of this TRG property is really, really smart. Yeah, I agree. Um, we also see in this scene just before it cuts to the next, um, Rennie, who we know runs Gavin's life professionally and personally, it seems, uh, bugging him about a doctor's appointment that he's missed a couple of times. He's got a lump on his head. Um and she's really persistent or insistent that he uh, makes this appointment, uh, which she's now said again. So, and that comes up again later in the episode. Yeah, and it, it's it's interesting. Like you know, I think it's it's hard for Gavin to put himself first because um, you know, obviously, the business always comes first with him. But you know, there's a very famous quote that you know, like I've I've heard over and over again, is that healthy people have millions of wishes, unhealthy people have only one. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it it does it does really pay to look after yourself, and we'll we'll get onto that one in a second. Yeah. But um, yeah, so interesting times down at Sylvania Waters, but now we we're. we're back over to the north side and mm -hmm. i think you know like the 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 running around that the camera crew must have had to do all over sydney for this yeah. season 
a lot more than last season because we've gone from the East, we've gone from Point Piper to Rolara to um, Sylvania Waters, and now we're sort of heading back to Castle Cove to the Birdhouse. So Simon thinks that he's got someone now for the Birdhouse. He's put his own bird phobias aside. Um, They want to offer eight and a half. Monica's price guide is nine and a half. She has an offer for it, which is a suburb record. Um, but she explains to Simon that the vendors just aren't ready to leave. They aren't emotionally ready to leave. And she's about to go in and start negotiating with them to see exactly what the problem is. Yep. And um, I'd love you to give me the agent's point of view on this one, because I think there is a really big lesson in this one, apart from like we're all sort of bawling our eyes out towards the end. But yeah. A really good lesson. Monica really shows a masterstroke in vendor management in this part of this episode. We see her pulling up in the Beamer at the front of the birdhouse. She makes her way in, meets with the vendors who are probably in their later middle age, I suppose, maybe in their 60s at a guess. Her ability to connect with them and the, the question that she asks, I think, is absolutely bang on. And she simply says to them, look, you know that we've had an offer at 9.5, which is the asking price, why don't you think that 9.5 million isn't enough for your home? And then she shuts up. And I think that there would be uh, many inexperienced agents that would get to this point and talk themselves out of a deal um, and talk too much and try and convince the owners with facts and figures and statistics and uh, all of the information under the sun as to why they should take this offer and ultimately you could show them everything that you've got, but if they don't want to take the offer, they're not going to take the offer. And if they're not emotionally ready to go, they're not going to go. And she delves deeper and we find out from these vendors uh, just as to why um, it's probably not the money. It's it's the timing. Um, and they probably haven't reconciled themselves that the time to move is now and, and, they're, and they're just not ready for that. Yeah, it is It is interesting because, um, you know, the story that we hear when, when she sort of, you know, just opens up with the question, and I thought just to touch on something that you touched on there, what she does beautifully is throughout the, um, throughout the first three, you know, episodes we've seen Monica, the, the comedian, um, you know, she's been funny at every turn and she's been yep. given the dogs to Simon. And, um, but, you know, we really see her sort of match her tone and everything to the vendors that she's dealing with. And yep. I think, you know, like, again, it, it's sort of like Simon last season, like she is the woman that can literally do it all. Like, whether it's comedy or being upbeat or being the glamorous, um, you know, the glamorous agent, and then she can come down and have such empathy yeah. that, uh, you know, really, really beautiful lesson there. But um, And you're right. I think after watching those first three episodes, the common person would probably be right to think, how does this woman do any business? Like she's just all <laughs> furs and heels and crystal and Andy. parties <laughs> and darlings and laughs. And she's great. But how does she connect on that deeper level? And this this really puts it all together. Yeah, yeah. It's um it's it's a really touching scene. And like I said, it was a bit of a tearjerker too for me because um, you know, the husband, you know, what unfolds there and it just it's funny how when you ask someone the right question, you know, what sort of an answer you're gonna get out of them. So it's a real, a real tearjerker with um with Marianne being unable to walk after a a botched surgery and so the husband you know starts talking about how he put everything into the house so that she wouldn't have to leave the house and how it was an incredible place of healing for her because I'm assuming eventually she did 
um, heal. And they say that they want to find someone who will love it as much as they do. And so then Monica starts crying too. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, so every, everyone's, everyone's getting emotional and, 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 you know, and she emotionally says, now I'm going to get you the best price ever. And if that's over nine, 9.5, so be it. Yep. So I think this is a really interesting moment as well. And again, from an agent's point of view, how do you, um, you know, obviously we're all human beings and it's really hard to not get emotional when other people are getting emotional. And then sometimes, you know, I have no doubt that Monica can probably go out and find another buyer. She's probably got someone in her database that might offer more, mm -hmm. but you know, most of us live in the real world most of the time. Um, sounds like something out of pretty woman, isn't it? <laughs> most of us live in the real world most of the time. Um, would you ever overpromise like that? I think it's dangerous. I think um, Monica would probably have known that she's got a genuine ability to deliver on that promise before she makes it. Um, I think that she's well experienced enough to, to know not to overpromise um, for the risk of under delivering. Um, so I think that uh, I think making promises like that is fine if you're very confident in your ability to, to back it up. The other good agent lesson here is that this conversation isn't something that you could have done on over the phone and, and gotten the same result. And credit to Monica because she's dealing with properties out of Dural and up on the northern beaches and down in the Shire and, and everywhere in between. Um, to be able to time manage for vendor management is really important. And no doubt she's got a, a host of assistance within her business that help her do to the, the non-dollar productive stuff. But um, meeting with the vendor, sitting down in their home and having this conversation uh, belly to belly is, is absolutely imperative. Yeah. And it's likely as, you know, like a lot of areas are saying now that the market has softened slightly and probably will do so as we lead into the federal election and, and things like that. So there might be a lot more agents having a lot more conversations like that in the real world. And I think, you know, the best advice is maybe go back to Monica and, you know, ask that amazingly open-ended question because, again, yeah. you never know what might fall out. Correct, 100%. Uh, so Gavin has arrived at Sylvania Waters and, you know, like my eagle eyes picked up, it wasn't the Lambo he was in, it, so I reckon. Yeah, and I thought, I looking at the scene in this, uh, I think it was an Audi, black Audi Q7 or something, beautiful car, driving through the streets, and I thought Gap's had a bit of a downgrade here, but no, he's got a driver because he needs a private driver to go anywhere outside of the east. And so probably just to find where Sylvania Waters is more so than anything. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I reckon he's thrown out the thrown the refidex out the window and said, yeah. "Somebody take me there, please." Yeah, no sideways <laughs> like, again. There's 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 no uh, there's no street directory upside down on his knees, you yeah. know, trying to drive the Lambo. I wouldn't. Don't try that at home, kids. So, um, yeah. So in walks Martine, and she does look a little bit like Delene. Look, she's tall, slender, beautiful olive complexion. There are definitely some similarities. Gav really calls it to her straight to her face, though, and said, oh, I thought that was Delene. And I don't know, Martine seemed to be a little bit offended by that. And I look, that's a compliment. I don't know. I think that was probably just tongue-in-cheek. They seem like they've got some kind of uh, long-standing relationship. They're certainly not strangers to each other in this episode, it doesn't seem. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, like I think it's a compliment too because Delene is exceptionally beautiful in real life as uh, as, as I realised um, last Friday. But yeah. um, to me, like Martine doesn't look like she wants to be in Sylvania Waters. Either. Not particularly. And look, I don't think that she thinks she's got a buyer for Syl- Sylvania Waters either. I mean, she's got a buyer, although, again, a good agent lesson here was Gab's um, ability to try and reason with Martine as to why this is a good option for the buyers that she's dealing with. And look, he was throwing around figures that seem a little bit inflated to me. I don't know if there'd be that much difference. We're talking about a beautiful built property on the water. They're talking circa five-ish million uh, for this place in Sylvania Waters, which is probably on the money. Gab quotes that it's probably worth 30 in Vaucluse. That could be, well, I mean, I'm not an agent in the eastern suburbs. It seems like a remarkable difference for that extra 40Ks between Sylvania and and the East. Um, But he knows that Martin's vendors have got a very long wish list with a very short budget and they can get everything they want and more within their budget, but not where they want it to be. Yeah, exactly. Um, I love the chemistry between Gavin and Martine too, not that they're, you know, romantically involved or anything because I think Martine, I did stalk Martine briefly on Instagram and it seems that she's in a relationship not with Gavin, with someone Mm -hmm. else. Um, But, you know, this is where I think, you know, like a real skill and, you know, you're either going to love it or hate it in someone like Gavin, but he is just super charming with her. Um, You know, there is just... and. You know, like I, I've often said to people who have asked me what he's really like, and, um, you know, I would say the same thing. There is something about Gavin that is, you know, lit from within or something like that, and you really see it come out in this episode where he just charms the pants off her. Like, yeah. you know, he, they, they go through the house, they go through the master bedroom, you know, he sort of quips that, you know, like if if they were living there together that, you mm. know, a third, two-thirds of the wardrobe space would be his yep. and a little yep. bit would be hers. And she quips back to him that the the little room outside the the master room is his snoring room, <laughs> yep. the husband's snoring room, um, you know, like houses with snoring rooms only on Lux listings, right? Yeah, correct. Um, um yeah, so, and the other thing that I really loved about Martine in this in this scene was um, unlike Simon, who's all about the master and the shower and the bathtub, Martine said, oh, wow, this kitchen is like state of the art. I was like, yeah. finally, yeah. someone's actually noticed the kitchen. Yeah, correct. State of the art, but without an exhaust fan. I mean, she was quick to point that out too. Probably not something that a lot of people would pick up on on a first inspection when you're not really looking at those fine details. Yeah, so look, credit to her. She also played it a little bit differently from how Simon probably would because she didn't just crucify the house all the way through. She was quite complimentary. She did pick up a few points that she didn't think worked or that, that she could have that could have been better, um, but she wasn't as vicious as what we usually see Simon. Yeah, and basically it sort of ends with take me back to the east, please. Um, yes, you know, correct. something something Nikki and I said a lot in our recapping of last season, <laughs> back to the east. Yeah. Um, another, another masterstroke by Gavin here is, uh, in his efforts to convince Martine to just get his buyers in the door to have a look, he offers to send the private car to pick them up next Friday and bring them out to have a look. Um, I think overcoming objections is something that Gab's really good at as well. Yeah, he did seem to sort of have a bit of a comeback for pretty much everything, didn't he? Absolutely, yep. Yeah. Uh, so then Martine exits stage right 
um, yep. realizing that they're actually not in Miami and Sylvania Waters is never <laughs> going to be Miami. But again, there was a great original song, you know, that actually in the background, you know, like, I wish this was Miami. Why yep. can't this be Miami? <laughs> like, yep. you know, and I'm yep. thinking, yeah, okay, someone's got a sense of humor over in the production department. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, then Gavin gets the phone call from the doctor's office saying, come and see a stat. And, yep. Um, yep. you know, that worried me enough to actually send Gavin a text. So, um, yeah. you know, I don't want to, I don't want to give any more spoilers or anything like that, but we'll see this one play out. <laughs> um, so now we're back at Lang, Lang and Simmons, Jacob's on the phone or yep. Delene's on the phone to Jacob and they've sold the golden pocket house. Yeah. 9.225 million. So above asking price, well and truly above Simon's offer at 8.5, which, um, is probably, uh, to Delene's utter delight. Um, it's always nice to be able to ring a buyer's agent or even a buyer who's really low-balled you and has assured you that you're never going to get the asking price that you're working towards. Uh, it's always a, a vindicating phone call to make to just let those people know politely that uh, a sale had been achieved. By the way. <laughs> By the way. Remember, remember the way. that house. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that house that you were only offering me eight for. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, it's it's interesting that they're 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 there and the mood's upbeat and they're talking about how what a good run they've had and um, you know clearly they don't miss poor old Daniela. No. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, more real estate quotes, celebrating the highs and learning from the lows. I mean, look, what's your favourite real estate quote? We haven't even gone there yet in any of these recaps yet, but you must oh, have look, one. I think that we could probably um, write a book on the quotes that have come out. I like as as, as I couldn't get away with saying them. Um, and so from a, an outsider's point of view, I like some of the, the quotes that Cav throws out. Um they fit him, they fit his persona and the way I would look like an absolute fool trying to get away with <laughs> pitching some of the lines that he throws out. But the um, it was from season one, when you look good, you feel good, and when you feel good, you do good. I like that. I, I think that that's a, um, as, as it's a bit wanky, but I think that there's a lesson there for everyone in that. Uh, and we see it with Gab now with this uh, medical concern, um, that self-care is a really important part of being able to operate at, at a high level. And it's also something that as agents, we can tend to neglect because as Gav would have done, and when Remy says, this is the fourth time now that I've had to make this appointment for you, stuff comes up. And the first things that are the negotiables or the things that can be pushed to the side are the stuff that only affects us and doesn't impact anyone else. So um, yeah, I, I like that one. What's your favourite actually? What's your favourite quote? Oh gosh, you know there are so, there are so many. I've been I've been writing real estate quotes for ages. You know, yeah. don't build a billboard in the forest. Every winner was once a beginner. Uh, do you yes. want to keep going? Yes, I like them both. <laughs> um, you know, um, if you don't want to hang around slippery slopes, don't hang around slippery places or something. I don't know. Like you mm. know, there's 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 so many of them. Um, yeah, I still like my own quote. Everything's a test till it's not. <laughs> So, Everything is a test until it's not correct. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're about to get to the end of this episode, actually, and it's um, the Queen of Queens, our Queen's Queen, uh, Leanne yep. Pilkington, calling in. Um, yep. And uh, she sounds very sombre on the phone, and Delene picks up the phone, and um, 
you know, Delene says, you don't sound too well, um, you know, and it hasn't been that she's been filming, you know, some sort of dance video with Tim McKibben again. <laughs> it was probably about this time that this, this, those dance videos were coming out. She's probably exhausted. Probably, yeah. It probably was, and what a classic it was. Like, you know, like I just, I, I don't know what Tim is doing without Leanne right now at the REI New South Wales because we interviewed Peter Matthews a couple of weeks ago and he said he definitely wasn't singing, he definitely wasn't <laughs> dancing, he definitely wasn't donning anything sparkly. And, yep, yep, yep no, 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 basically. So, Tim, shout out. I hope you're all right. Put your sparkly shoes out for Tim McKibben if you're listening. <laughs> anyway, Tim. Leanne says that, They've hit some roadblocks, and I think we're at that dun dun dun. Yeah, so it was a double cliffhanger this this episode because we we have just had the cliffhanger from Gav's doctor's receptionist calling saying the doctor needs to see you, uh, and now we've got the cliffhanger about the Lang and Simmons deal having some roadblocks. I've never heard Leanne Pilkington sound so somber and so rattled. I mean, obviously it's, it's probably fairly scripted. It may have been just for the episode, but she was very curt and very, uh, oh, look, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I, it may all be over. I've got a lot of work to do if this is going to be um, a deal, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, it was it was interesting to to hear her in that tone. It's not what we're used yeah. to from, from the Queen. It, it- yeah, I was well. I was sitting next to the Queen, the Queen um, Leanne, and um, and she did. You know, we'll get Leanne on on the show to talk about her experiences, obviously. But I think um, let's just put it this way: if you go back and think about when this season was filmed, and then go to EliteAgent.com and do the googling on um, the buyout of Lang and Simmons, you'll probably notice that the dates don't quite line up. Yeah. Um, but we'll leave you to draw your own conclusions on on what's actually going there because we don't want to ruin the magic of TV, do we, Dave? Not at all. <laughs> Not for everyone. Anyway, that's it. That's the end. That's the end of episode four. Um, Dave, you and I will be back next week with episode five where we're going to bring you some more exclusives from the floor. Um, any little hints about the things that you talked with with Delene? Uh, look, we did delve into the Lang and Simmons corporate uh, takeover a touch uh, and she was good enough to give us a little bit of an inside scoop on that. Um, I also asked her, as the Survivor uh, super fan that I am, whether she would give Survivor a nudge. Um, I put to her that it may be time for Queen Deline to take that crown from the Duchess of Double Bay. Um, yeah, look, she gave an interesting response. Let's see what she says next week. <laughs> well, see, so, you know, like it, it all works differently in our heads compared to theirs as I've Yeah, learned. that's right. Simon for Bachelor, Deline for the Survivor. They're not really into it. I don't know what's going on. I know. We should be managing their careers, shouldn't we? Correct. Maybe that's our next career. Talent agent. Maybe. Maybe. We're, we're, well, I'm ready to take the call if anyone's listening. and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always, always happy to give free advice. Anyway, um, Dave, it's been amazing catching up with you again. Once again, thank you to our partner, Issue. We will see you guys for another episode of the Deluxe Nuts where we will recap episode five next week. Thank you, Dave Scow. Thanks, Sam. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Elevate podcast. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joineliteagent.com.